0: It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses.
1: Element. Element. Element
0: FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM. And it is a pleasure to welcome to the show Gerald McMaster. And he is on the show because he is this year's Canada Council for the Arts one of the winners of the Governor General's Awards in Visual and Media Arts, and he has received this year's award for Outstanding Achievement Award. And so, it's a pleasure to have him here now. Gerald is a curator, artist, and an educator who teaches Indigenous visual culture and curatorial critical studies at OCAD University. And he was raised on the Red Pheasant First Nation Reserve in Saskatchewan. And uh, over the last thirty years. His international work has focused in the sectors of contemporary art, critical theory, museology, and Indigenous aesthetics. And throughout his career, he, is, he has uh, championed the uh, mainstream value of Indigenous art and it has led to, uh, that being chosen, represent Canada in a number of prestigious international events. And in 2005, he was awarded Canada's highest honour the Order of Canada, so it's a real pleasure to have him here on the show. Gerald, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much for having me, and congratulations.
2: Well, thank you very much.
0: <laughs> now, what does that what does that say to you when you receive an award like this as outstanding achievement for your career for what you've what you've accomplished? What 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 does that say to you? What do you take from that?
2: Well, I think I I have to. Thank all the artists who I've, who I've worked with, mm. all the artists who I've written about, mm. even those that I've not even come in contact yet with, because they may have read some of my work or seen some of my exhibitions. But, you know, I really have to thank them because it's without them, I, I would not be where I am. So I, I parallel so many of the artists, some of the artists who are no longer alive and with us uh and then many, many younger artists. So I really have to um uh, think about them. You know, I also think about my family. Uh whether it's my my own personal family that that have supported me all these years and in, in in following my dream. And I think following indigenous art, artistic practice has always been my dream. And this year it will be I was telling an old friend of mine that this will be the 50th year that when I first came in contact with the idea of Indigenous art, when I met a person many, many years ago. And so, and I was still a teenager, by the way, 50 years ago. (laughs) Um, So I go back a long ways for that. Mm. And then so, as I say, my family supported me. And then my community uh, has definitely supported me. I think Uh, you mentioned growing up on red pheasant and where i still go back once or twice a year and connect mm. up with family and not even the one only the ones of my uncles and aunts who i remember and are still there but my cousins, that next generation right mm. uh that are my age and we are slowly aging ourselves mm. and becoming the elders of the community although i don't see myself as an elder but an older person in the community so you know you all of that kind of adds up to, to the road that I've traveled on all these years and and really appreciate everybody who has, uh, I've come in contact because I've learned so much, you know, and, and of course, there's a wealth of non-Indigenous folks who uh, remain friends and colleagues. Mm. And so this past week has just been uh, an enormous honor uh, to hear from people in my field, you know. Mm. Who, who perhaps have uh, been touched by my work? Some, some, some. You know, I've gotten really wonderful letters from folks who said, "Yeah, I saw this and I saw that. I read this, I read that, and you inspired me." Hmm. And 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 just colleagues who I, I I am co-evil with. You know, you kind of <laughs> develop alongside them along the way. So that that I think that that's what it means to me. Yes,
0: nice. Thank you for that. Um, as I was reading over some of your achievements as well as your early years um from what you were just describing there and and going back to some firsts i guess um you you described yourself as as the first curator being out there that there was not only were you the first you were the only one so you you had this sort of a void that you were looking into or or not having someone to bounce things off of so how did that feel at that time Uh, let me
2: just clarify. <clears throat> I think I might have said I uh, I may not have been the first, but at the time I was the only <laughs> yes, one.
0: <laughs> that's, right. <laughs> because
1: that's right. There were a
2: few other, there were a few other uh, colleagues of mine who were curators and that came before me. Mm. And uh, and so, uh, but at the time for many, many years in a national institution, yes, uh, being uh, the only Indigenous curator mm. around, I think has... That that's what I was alluding to and thinking yes, about right. when, because today there are so many young curators and so many mm. uh, young people around that are really mm. doing dynamic things. But mm-hmm. I just never had that body. I had a lot of artists, of course. Yep. But nobody on that the same uh, level of of of, uh, yeah, of curatorial practice, let's right. say. Okay. So, there just wasn't that. Uh, I mean, there was a, a, a ton of non-Indigenous right. colleagues in that. But, you know, when you think of where do I turn to other other Indigenous curators, there really weren't any. So, I really had to develop that and uh, struggle along the way mm. to to think that way and, and to try and build up something, not knowing what the future is going to hold, of course. You're mm-hmm. just – it's like you're just struggling – <laughs> all by yourself. Mm. And you're, you're fighting on behalf of artists to say, right. you know, we should not be in a museum. You know, your, mm. your work should not be <laughs> represented here because museums have a stereotype of only thinking about the past and our communities about the past when we are, we are present, we are modern, we are contemporary with everybody, you know, life mm-hmm. is changing. Mm-hmm. And so, Similarly with the art artists, you know, they need to be in institutions of art, not institutions of yeah. cryogenics, you yeah. know, where it's frozen in the past and 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 to struggle to get out of that. So that's been this was my right. really my 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 practice, my history, my yeah. my own struggles, you know, to to work with artists to to say we need to move on. And, and yeah. uh, but now. When you look back, you know, there are artists exhibiting all across this country internationally. We have young curators in many institutions right from the National Gallery on down. So um, it, it's been really something something to see. And I'm, I'm, I'm just so happy.
0: Yes. It, well, when you describe that of course you would have been part of that that's that's the road that you paved for these artists because of exactly what you were just saying and, and, and as you were say, talking there I was thinking about oh well, this sounds very familiar about being the only indigenous person in the room and trying to get the point across about certain things and seeing either the blank looks on people's faces or them struggling to try and try and struggle with the stereotypical images that they have had and been brought up with as well right? Yes.
2: And, and one of the things that uh, I, I like how you said that, because and one of the things I've been discovering and writing about and thinking about in the last while is that, uh, you know, we've, we've grown up with colonial languages and we speak the Queen's English, as it were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we've been trained in, in schools, right? All to me from a Western perspective, mm-hmm. And so what does that mean? It means that we're, we see from those perspectives, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the struggle is how do we, how do we get ourselves out of that? Right. Or not necessarily get out of it, but how do we, how do we create our own sovereign space, you know, our own kind of embodiment of our indigeneity, where we uh, start to think through our languages, through our culture. Uh, and 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 start from that point of view as opposed to arguing you know for your presence in the space of the other
1: mm-hmm.
2: so i'm saying let's go let's let's just not even be apologetic and just start from our our space our sovereign space of selfhood right mm-hmm. and and go from there and then and then i think i think we'll feel differently and we'll have an impact on these institutions, whether it's radio programs or in art or in universities or even in government, you know, I think that that we need to get back to that, that sense of this is how our people were in ancient times, you know, and uh, we carry that struggle over the years. But now let's start seeing the world and showing the world that we are starting from our perspectives and our positions, right? And and then work from there. And then they, the outside world or or friends or opponents or whatever, will meet us somewhere in mm. the middle and you know, where we shake hands or we trade, you know. We go back to those those ancient days of trade, mm. you know, mm. and, and, and and alliances and 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 just thinking differently than today.
0: As you were talking there about the Western perspective and being raised in that, I, I was thinking about you, something you described about yourself in the early days, about being raised on uh, The Lone Ranger and, and uh, Hopalong Cassidy and, and reading yeah. Western comic books and how that influenced you. And as, as I read that and I see your artwork, I can definitely see how you brought in those elements for sure. How, but I also thought about you being raised in Saskatchewan and And at that time and, and and that kind of an influence because you would have had that duality playing out at the same time about your own culture, your own upbringing and and then being like a lot of us seeing these westernized presentations
2: yeah um i I don't know if i- i didn't experience the duality right away mm. because I was raised on the res mm-hmm. and uh you know everybody around me spoke cree mm and um, but yet at the same time my you know the older folks of course were mm. wanted to be hip and modern you know so sure yeah they would know about <clears throat> all the pop culture icons right of 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 their time so so my older brother would bring home comic books let's say and so mm. but this was before television <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it was in the days of radio <laughs> But you still had that printed material coming to your home, so uh, that would have been my contact, right and so it wasn't until years later where where you're integrated into um local schools like uh, city schools, mm-hmm. and where mm-hmm. we we're all busted off the res into the city yeah. that you come in contact and and uh, and where you where you learn this idea of racism mm-hmm. right and prejudice. Because it's that contact, right? I talked about it earlier. It's that it's it's sometimes the contact can be very friendly and and other times it can be very oppositional. And then you you begin to realize, oh, I am different, I am other, because somebody just told me I was, you mm. know? Mm. And in comic books and in that kind of literature, looking and reading about Tonto and Mm. indians mm. well i don't know if i had that conception because i didn't see we didn't see ourselves that way right right, right. we you, it's not part of your thinking right of otherness that we are are different right. at least for me as a young person yeah so it was just entertainment right and uh so like everyone else you 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 cheer for the winner, you know, you cheer for the cowboy <laughs> right. because the Indians are always getting defeated. So so it's just kind of mind bender when you right. think of it. But that's that was the context I was growing up in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Great. Yeah. Thank you. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. This is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. My guest on the show is Gerald McMaster. Talking to him about being and and winning the uh, one of the Governor General's Awards in Visual and Media Arts for this year, 2022. And it's a pleasure to have him on the show and uh, talking a little bit about his early years. And, you know, Gerald, as you were talking there, you mentioned the word contact. And... I thought about your artwork and the contact that you featured in the way you brought those elements that influenced you when you were young to make contact with the world that you were living in. But of course, sharing that with the outward world and which made contact with that, the Westernized world. And it seemed to work very well. It it, it translated really well.
2: Yeah. I uh, when in, when I was an artist, <laughs> I haven't I haven't been a serious artist now for 25 years mm. because I felt that uh, my life was changing. I mm-hmm. I was working on my dissertation at the time, and so I became more an academic, more uh, more a writer than and, than someone creating and practicing art. But prior to then, a lot of the the work that I was doing. Uh, dealt with this idea of the contact zone, I guess you'd call it. Um and and um and many artists of my generation, and I think they're young artists of this generation for sure, but we dealt with stereotypes, right? Mm-hmm. And you're I'm sure you're familiar with that and mm-hmm. and how indigenous peoples have always been stereotyped. And it's a kind of um the albatross of who we are. <laughs> You know, uh, of of prejudice and stereotype, and so one of the things that one of the approaches that artists of my generation, or at least I was using, was was the uh, literary weapons, let's say. <laughs> and what are those literary weapons? Well, humor yeah. would be one, yeah. and irony would mm-hmm. be another. Yes. So you could you could say and do things with with these kind of twists right mm-hmm. and uh and i know my people back home you know i think they use i've always had humor and irony you know mm. and so you grow up with that and you somehow it was a way to to respond to to some of these uh perplexing attitudes towards indigenous peoples and 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 it was a way for me to to target uh, audiences without a blunt instrument, mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. whacking them over the side of the head, which yeah. some will do, and I don't yeah. fault them for that. You have to do that. I know some of our leaders have done it, mm-hmm. and they've done it to great effect. Mm-hmm. But I felt in in my practice, in the work that I was doing, somehow humor and irony fit. Uh, it was it was an opportune way to 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 say something mm-hmm. and uh i felt it was quite effective mm-hmm. and uh, I had a number of exhibitions in the past that 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 featured such such approaches and mm-hmm. uh I don't know if I do that again but but it was at the time it was what was needed and i think mm-hmm. audiences responded to it in in different ways and so um, so I think it it had its effect, right? Now, the, the downside is that it never really solves the problem of stereotypes mm-hmm. <laughs> because stereotypes still remain. And sure. I once said they will always be around, I'm sure, yeah. you know? Yeah. They're like cockroaches. They'll be here till the end of time. <laughs> and uh, because it's an easy access, easy way, mm-hmm. a simple way of, of trying to say something or think about something, and so sometimes, by the slip of tongue, you say something, and and you fall back on easy, right. easy um, uh, 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 ways of of viewing some, uh, a situation right. or a person, and that right. that that sometimes is is based on your received attitudes mm-hmm. uh, and beliefs about the other, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, but it was a way for me to to think about that and, and to use art in that way.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, you just mentioned about uh, changing from an artist and going more into the academic side and um, devoting more of your time to curatorial and th- that kind of thinking. How have you found, obviously it's worked well for you, um, but I'm just wondering, um, do you think that's the natural progression in many ways that you when when you are in a career that it just naturally opens up it's like you know an actor going from being an actor to stepping behind the camera being a you know a, a director or a producer or or one of the other uh things that they can contribute towards and expand their uh their their art form <laughs> thank god i'm not an actor cuz uh <laughs> You know, once you lose your looks it's like <laughs> Hey, you look great you look
2: great whereas artists they can look the same
0: <laughs> not
2: worry about their looks right. um, you know uh, it's a good question because this is my answer because when I was thinking about this about that shift and thinking uh, I, I once heard a colleague of mine say you know anybody can get a PhD. And I looked at my, uh, I thought to myself, Oh, that's a, that's, that's a, why don't I do that? You know, mm. <laughs> because all I had at the time was a, uh, a bachelor of fine arts, a degree mm. that I obtained in, in fine arts school.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I was, uh, I was thinking, you know, I've been a curator now for, um, close to 10 years and, uh, you know, all the intellectual doors are, are, are closed. You know, I didn't know where to go and how to think. Mm. And I, and I, I would read different papers that people had and I thought, boy, they're smart. They use this really interesting language. And, mm. and, uh, and I hear this person said, you know, anybody can get a PhD. And I thought, okay, well maybe that's my, that's my cue. And so, you know, I started to, I I, I got the courage to open a door Mm. or crawl through the window or something (laughs) like that. Right. Mm. And I, that's what I encourage to anybody, to young people, just, you know, you run out of, it's not like you run out of uh, opportunities and situations. You just, sometimes you just have to go for open that door Mm. because you don't know what's behind it or what's beyond it. Mm. And uh, once I, once I crawled through the window or opened the door, then the whole world opened up for me. It was challenging mind you, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you have to accept that challenge and, and, uh, and go through that. It's, it's rough, it's, uh, you know, having to go back and read, you know, I was reading European theorists and, Mm. and that's just difficult stuff to read. And I, I thought to myself when I was in grad school I thought my god I think I made a wrong decision here. <laughs> but right. uh, you know I stuck with it. Mm. I thought well uh, there's no turning back from me. I guess I am here and I just have to buckle down and try the best I can and mm. and you know read the read all these writers and mm. try to write the texts and just learn the language and really that's what it, it was about and and so I I got through my uh, graduate degree and then I went on to do my dissertation, uh, which was in Amsterdam in Holland, by the way, and mm. um, it was far away from home. But mm-hmm. but nonetheless, I think was 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 worthwhile for me because I it opened up new worlds for me, and I think that that's you know when I talk about these contact zones, I I take them seriously because in 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 meeting people and meeting ideas and meeting anything um, it can be a one hell of a, a great experience you know mm-hmm. and i think that that's just i look back at the old uh, the old stories that uh, used to be told to me when i was young about these uh, our, our 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 cultural heroes who at the beginning of time uh were went on their adventures and and went for years and years, and met all sorts of different animals and plants and and what that taught the cultural hero was that was all about experience that was all about building them as a person as an individual and how to to learn from others right and so I I, I thought of that and I thought well maybe that's that's really what life is about is, is 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 looking for not adventure, but but you you it's the way that you come in contact with situations and people and and it it, it builds you and that's that's your experience. That's what mm-hmm. you know, at my at my age now I can look back at that with all that experience that I've had and and uh, I, I, I see that as as building all what I understand and know. And so in my writing, that will come out every now and then. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that was my, it's, I'm not saying it's courageous because I think it does take courage to open those doors Mm. and, and try to find a way through and, and, uh, some of us are, have fear of opening those doors because right. we just don't know what's behind it, right? That's right. Yeah.
0: Great. Gerald, we'll have to leave it there. It's been really fascinating uh, speaking with you and I want to say Jimmy chimiigwech uh, and Yawagoa for taking the time to join me on the show and congratulations to you, by the way.
2: Nista enote nanaskum and uh, thank you. I really appreciate uh, this opportunity to speak with you. Maybe someday we'll run into each other.
0: I certainly hope so. It would be very nice to do so and sit down and have a coffee sometime or something. Hey. All right. Thank you once again. You take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is Gerald McMaster. He is a curator, artist, and educator who teaches Indigenous visual culture and critical curatorial studies at OCAD University. He is also this year's winner of the Outstanding Achievement Award for the Canada Council for the Arts and the Governor General's Awards in Visual and Media Arts. What a pleasure having him on the show. That is this portion of Moment of Truth. Please stay with us. We'll be right back after these short messages. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses.
1: Element. Element. Element FM.
0: Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And it is a pleasure to welcome to the show today, David rubin Pictican, And he is a celebrated carver, sculptor and printmaker from Pelletouk, Eluit settlement region, and he has won this year's Artistic Achievement Award in Visual Arts for the Canada Council for the Arts and the Governor General's Awards in Visual and Media Arts. So it's a real pleasure to have David here. And David, I may be mistaken, but I think we actually spoke a couple of years ago. Yeah,
3: thank you very much. It was a long time coming. It just Mm -hmm. surprised me when when I got a wind of the information. (laughs)
0: <laughs> as I was reading over material about this and, and reacquainting myself with you as, as an, a carver, a sculptor, and just to give people a little more information about the kind of work that you do, you primarily work in stone carving and sculpture with materials that include stone and metal and walrus ivories as well as caribou antler and bone. And what you have done is you you have taken stories from your culture that you, I guess, reinterpret. Turn into uh, the visual interpretation of these these stories and mythologies that you have uh, from your culture, and uh, and create them in a in a real fashion that comes out of your your memory and your your imagination. Yes,
3: They're pretty well that's the bottom line, and uh, I, I I have to remind everyone that I'm not a printmaker. Mm. I've had some ideas that were. That were uh, designed into prints, but that's another project. That was a, a a long, long ago project. And oh. uh, but I basically uh, do stone carving, sculpture, incorporating metal mm. and stone and uh, new found materials like turkey feathers. Mm. They seem to follow me, the turkeys. So. <laughs> They leave a lot of feathers for me always
0: right, so they were giving you a hint that they wanted you to maybe uh or you should start utilizing them yes and
3: uh also uh horsetails horse manes mm. i I like to collect horse
0: manes and and how do you incorporate and use those kind of things the horse manes and and the turkey feathers
3: well i i used the, uh, the 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 I use the the horsehair for uh, when I do masks. Oh yeah, uh, they, they, they some of some of them are quite large, so I I I, I get I collect this. I always have an ear open for uh, horse, mm. horse hair that might be available. Right, and uh, we found a new person. New, we have a new. Uh, we found a new person that will supply us. With the horsehair, and uh, it's just to enhance uh, the uh, the, uh, the 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 mass that I create. Mm. It gives it a new dimension, and yeah. uh, uh, and uh, I I just enjoy uh, uh, I just enjoy uh, working with the with the new thought materials. It, mm.
0: Right. Now, with the turkey feathers, how are you incorporating those? What are you doing with those ones? I, uh, I, uh,
3: I, uh, what I do is I, uh, they're also, I, I also use them in, in, on masks. Okay. And, uh, it's just to enhance the, uh, the visual image. hmm and uh, I like the idea of uh, the one that i done recently, it's called, it works really well with the turkey feathers, it's called Taking Flight. Mm. So I incorporate ideas and uh, anything to do with flight or flying and... Uh, I, I I just want to embellish the either the story or the uh, the sculpture itself, the presentation. Mm. Give it my own touch.
0: <laughs> right now, you are a, a residential school survivor, and I'm I'm wondering how the impact of that plus you also give credit to a a, a doctor, a doctor Alan Goner that that you talk about in terms of him, him giving you some idea about going and using your culture to start creating this mythology and starting to use the stories that yes. are from your culture and, and then creating and using that with the materials that you work to create these, these uh, visual interpretations from your memory. How did the experience of residential school Impact what you're doing through your art, or has it?
3: I went to residential school in the Western Arctic, a pl- location called uh, Aklavik,
1: mm.
3: also in Nuvik,
1: mm-hmm.
3: at a very early age. And uh, I like to tell people that I received an education in forgetting. Mm they bulldoze us into forgetting who we are. Like we forget uh, what we are. You, you're not who you are. You're just, a, you're just, they they call us savages.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You're just a, you're just a savage. We're going to teach you how to speak English and how to do everything differently.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And they might be the most important, re- my the major re- regret was I lost the use of my language. Mm. At an early age, I, I spoke fluently when I was five years old, somewhere wow. in there, four or five years old. Wow! People would tell me I used to speak fluently, and uh, and uh, my biggest regret was that I lost my my Inuktitut language. New Vialecton language. Right. But, uh, but it sneaks, it's still in my DA system. <laughs> my, uh, my DA system. Mm-hmm. And uh, every now and then a word comes up. And mm. mysteriously, when I'm carving hmm. or, or okay. sculpting, okay. Uh, so a, a word comes up and I reflect on it and say, oh, this is what this means. Hmm. Or if this is it's referring to something, and so I've uh, I don't cry about this. Uh, about, uh, uh I stopped crying a long time ago. They, they yeah yeah How does not to cry, so I don't sure. cry no more. Yeah, <laughs> I. Uh, but I did learn a lot. I incorporate uh, all that anger, yeah, frustration, and regrets. And I I I I I incorporate them into a into a creative pattern that I'm, I've been applying for a long, long time.
0: Mm. In fact, fifty years. Right. Fifty years still tripping away. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. Congratulations on that wonderful career. It, it really sounds like your work and the work that you do with sculpting and and the materials that you use is a, is a therapy like you were saying because every once in a while these these words in your language come up while you're working on these things and yes. it, it's a it sounds like it's been a wonderful way for you to um reconnect with your culture as well as uh heal yes healing hmm.
3: T- healing to some extent and uh and uh, uh, I, I work. I I I accustomed to working by myself mostly all the time, and uh, and I, I I I I like using a lot of volume in my voice when I'm frustrated or excited or I have an idea and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the, the studio is uh, <laughs> designed for that. <laughs> I uh, I don't put holes into my dip walls anymore. <laughs> I've uh, I've managed to control my anger mm. and uh, frustrations and other such things.
0: And now you I, now you
3: see it- the studio in the countryside right but- right about now. Now, you wouldn't find a single hole in the studio. (laughs) That means no hole, no frustration.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great. (laughs) Nice to hear. You know, uh, the other thing, as you were talking about the kind of materials that you use, uh, it seems like such a big leap to go from something like stone or or ivory, antler, and bone to metal. Metal seems like such a, a strange... You know, material from from the natural elements that you work with. Yeah, uh,
3: I I incorporate the metal. I I I designed uh, stands. Oh, okay. I I use them to 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 hold up uh, stone sculptors, mm, like, whether right. they're masks or they're designs that could use is I. Uh, it, it it gives the the whole concept uh, uh more volume mm. and, and bigger than it would actually be. Mm-hmm. It would be if it was just uh stone sculpture. So I mm. I I find a way to make them visually larger mm. and uh they're not lighter but larger at least. Mm. And uh And it's worked out very well for myself. And uh, I I might quite finish working large. Mm. I have some other ideas that I'd like to incorporate in the near future. Mm -hmm. uh, I have the world. uh, uh, We have access to materials from all over the world now. Yeah. It's a very unique uh, materials like coming out of Zimbabwe, Mm. uh, all the traditional materials from Italy, Mm. South America, Mm. and uh, there might even be some new locations up in the Arctic, Mm. like alabaster. Mm. Uh, I I love the use of Mexican fire alabaster. Mm. It's quite unique and... uh, and I, I still love uh, using Italian crystal alabaster. Uh, mm. To me, it's the closest thing to ice. <laughs> same color, mm. same texture. Right. And the uh, only difference, it doesn't melt. That's right. It doesn't, it doesn't melt. like ice, but it doesn't <laughs> melt. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm always exploring for raw materials and... Uh, to incorporate into my into my uh, into my present works, I I've had uh, difficulty last year with the. Like yes. to mention that I I, I had the
0: cancer. Ah, last year. Oh, and it, uh But but you're well now. Yeah, I, uh, uh,
3: I have uh, there are side effects and stuff. Eh. Yeah. And, uh, at least I still have two arms, all fingers, all toes, <laughs> but, uh, some functions are uh, a bit slow to come back. Mm. Like, uh, <clears throat> I can only count to three and, uh, hopefully by next week I'll be able to count to four <laughs> and, uh it helps to know that in in in, in uv ellington i can still count to five and uh mm. after five it's many that's how we think <laughs> it as, as, as it's many
0: hmm. interesting
3: so i i i'm still optimistic hmm. and uh as long as i keep uh, as long as i keep carving and sculpting It'll keep my mind intact and uh, my my uh, <clears throat> keep my mind active and creative and uh, hopefully I can uh, pass on this knowledge to someone in the new future. Mm. Someone that wants to learn how to carve, mm. learn how to sculpt,
0: right. Uh, I'll come back to that in a moment, but before we go further, I just want to let everyone know that you're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. This is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. My guest on the show is David Rubin Pictican, and he is a celebrated carver, sculptor uh, from Palatuk Inuvialuit, and that's the settlement region he is from. And he has received the this year's 2022 Artistic Achievement Award in Visual Arts from the Canada Council for the Arts and the Governor General's Awards in Visual and Media Arts. So, congratulations to him, and it's a pleasure to have him on the show, David. One of the things that you just mentioned there about passing it on—have um, you have you found that there is there is interest from maybe someone from your community or young people coming up that they're are they're continuing this work?
3: I uh, I have been. Uh... It's been the better part of 10 years since I've been to my hometown. We got fogged in 10 years ago and couldn't land. Hmm. And uh, then and shortly afterwards, COVID kicked in. Hmm. So it, it stopped all travel to the Arctic yeah. in or out. And, uh, but I I just wanted to mention about my name, uh, Pisto my Inuit Eskimo name is Picto. Okay. Pictohan. Mm-hmm. Or the playful side of Picto is Pictohana. Huh. And, and, and uh, it could be a soft wind, could be a harsh wind, hmm. could be a blowing wind, and uh and I it's been I've uh, it was very appropriate for me to have that name. Mm it was given to me by my uh, my parents had a good friend in their youth and uh, his name was Piktuhan
1: hmm.
3: Pikto. right Well so i had to carry on the tradition of names i was uh, i was given the name to i, I had to live uh, i was given the name to live with nice. uh, david piktuhan nice and, uh, and uh, I've had a stormy past.
1: Mm.
3: What else? I've had a checkered past.
1: Mm.
3: I'm definitely no angel, but I, I, I I like, I like, I, I like stone carving. Mm. And, and uh, and I, and I like to incorporate the name, uh, uh, or or the wind in my works. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I like to use the name Pito, pito when, mm. when the, uh For example, last week I built a fencing for my dog right. at home. Yes. With tarps. Okay. Took the better part of five hours to do it. And the next day the winds came and just demolished everything. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> <So I, laughs> I, I that that, that that's a wind factor and uh it 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 uh it it'll take away things that that you install and mm. and uh you have to respect uh the nature of the wind uh, David At Orion, it's uh barum mm. you say it barum barum means
0: Severe winds. Hmm. David, your uh, story there about the wind and demolishing your dog's uh, 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 tarp home that you built for it uh, reminds me of the old, uh, the old story about the wolf and I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. Uh, so it sounds like you might need to revert to one of your other materials that you use, like stone, next time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's the only solution. (laughs) And speaking of those materials that you use, do you remember when you first started carving? Because I'm wondering if... You know, it's a very tactile thing that you do, and I know that there's visual portraits uh, on the uh, Canada Council site. If people go there, they can see a visual portrait of each of the winners, and yours is there. And you, you know, your your hands are very much referenced in the visual uh, in the story, but you also are, are touching things, and it reminded me about that that very tactile work that you do, and how important must that must be because of that sensory that you have. With the touch of the material, how it feels, how it looks, and, and the ultimate work on how you want it shaped and, and how it's going to end up being. how important is that to you?
3: Yes it, uh, it, it plays a major major part in my work. I, uh, the, uh, the initial work I, I was introduced to stone chips. my brother my brother Abraham. A park park. Him and I went to Vancouver, hitchhiked across the prairies to, to BC mm. in
1: 1972.
3: That was 50 years ago. Mm. And the uh, first thing he did was buy some raw material. Mm-hmm. The worst material you can imagine is called Seattle steatite material that was blasted out of the ground and sold as soapstone. Oh. And uh, uh, yeah. every every stone I carved, uh, it kept breaking on me. And I realized, whoosh, something's wrong with this material. Maybe it's. I couldn't afford to buy other materials. So mm. I had to work smaller and smaller and uh, and uh, that's how I initially started, and uh, I—I'm I certain now when I select my material, I get the best possible material that's available. And uh, and uh, I've learned, I've learned how to study the materials properly. It's all part of the the progress, the process of learning how to sculpt or stone carve right. How the stone reacts and uh, a lot of materials, uh, they don't react to stone chipping. Mm. They bruise up too easily. Mm. So uh, there's some materials that you can't tip. All you have to do is, uh, the best way to work it is use a bow saw cutting, pre-cutting. I've learned how to pre-cut. I go through a lot of saw blades, but mm. I've learned how to how to pre-cut properly, and uh, that's the secret of stone carving. Mm. is is to to pre-cut properly, and that it, it take out what you don't need, and, uh, and and you can always rebuild the material if you're uh, if you're desperate, but. Uh, there's uh just reflecting on one story of bad material I I just spent four months stone carving a beautiful ten of goose mm. type of image and uh, and uh, I, I had it all set up polished and ready to go I touched it uh, I, I put too much pressure on. On a part of the material, and it, 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 it then it it fell apart like a cheap suitcase. Wow, Jesus. Hmm. So four months later, it just this material just collapses. Hmm. It's interesting. I overlooked. Uh, I uh, I I overlooked the the fracture lines. Right. So uh, I so over the years i've 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 learned all the the processes of uh, gluing materials
1: mm. <laughs>
3: reinforcing materials with crazy glue is is the best invention sliced bread that's <laughs> what i i call the crazy glue that we have that we use now right and uh it keeps everything solid mm. and uh it, it it's uh, very important uh, when you're stone carving, sculpting, that you know where the uh, where the fracture lines are. If yeah. you're a spot one, you have to make sure you reinforce the materials right. when you can, and without deterring too much from the actual sculpture.
0: You're right. It, it, fascinating stuff on that. You know, as you were talking there. And, and the way you were talking about chipping away, I remember, I, I believe it was Michelangelo who talked about s- sculpting. And he said that whatever it's already there, I'm just chicking, just taking away the, the, the rock to show what's there. So it, I thought it was an interesting way of, of looking at sculpting in that, you know, it's just buried inside. And, and, you know, an artist is just revealing what's already there, kind of thing.
3: Yes, I've. That that is what I've noticed is when I take a story, mm-hmm. I, I still collect stories from the elders, mm-hmm. and I incorporate the stories into if it's sculptable or carvable. I, I I use the uh, the storyline, and I see images that uh, are already intact in my mind. So I just incorporate my recollection and, okay, this is what it's going to be. And I just uh, just keep refining it so that it looks like the image that I've uh, already pre-collected, mm. pre-designed. And, uh, <laughs> and it really helps.
0: David, we're going to have to leave it there, but I want to say Koyanamik, for taking the time to join me on the show and uh, talk about your work and your past and uh, the great stuff that you're doing. And the fact that you have won the Canada Council for the Arts and the winner of the Governor General's Awards in Visual and Media Arts for this year of 2022 for the Artistic Achievement Award and wish you all the best in the future. Yes,
3: Thank you very much for your time. 90, thank
0: you very much. And that is David Rubin-Picticon. And he is a celebrated carver and sculptor. And if you want to find out more, you can go to the Canada Council for the Arts uh, website and, and you can find visual portraits of all the winners. So you get a chance to see a little bit more about them. And that is our show for today here on Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. Thank you so much for being with us and uh, and joining us here on the show each and every day. We'll see you again tomorrow. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses.
1: Element. Element. Element FM.